Hello, this is Mike Gettle and Steve Carpenter from Yakima Chief Hop Union. Welcome to the 14th episode of our podcast, Beer, Baseball, and Binds. Today, we're very excited to talk to two gentlemen from Yards Brewing in Philadelphia. We're speaking to President and Founder Tom Keyhole and Assistant Packing Manager Mark Granacki, who happen to be at the Phillies-Yankees game today. So we're very excited to talk to them and uh, Here's cheering on the Phillies and over the freaking Yankees, right? So we're very happy to talk about that. Absolutely. Steve, how was your week? Uh, Speaking of the Yankees and the Mariners, uh, uh, yeah. We we desperately need the Phillies to uh, beat the Yankees tonight. So cheer them on, guys. We we need it. Uh, As a Mariner fan, we had kind of a rough week this past week. Uh, we're in Baltimore tonight. We got Felix Hernandez on the mound, and the last I checked, the score was tied at 3-3. But uh, anytime those Yankees can go down in flames, we're all for it. Well, uh, Tom and Mark, uh, thank you very much for sending us some of your Philadelphia Pale Ale. Uh, we're drinking that right now, and we really appreciate that. Welcome to our podcast. Oh, thanks for having us. Yeah, we're really psyched. We're drinking Philly Pale Ale also, and it's uh, a lot of fun here at the game. So. Tom, you and I met uh, back in December uh, at your uh, brew pub in Philadelphia. I mean, it's a great community site. Uh, tell us a little. I mean, you just opened that up not too much, not too much earlier than that. Tell us a little bit about uh, Yards and uh, how you got started and uh, how things are going there. <laughs> okay, well, that, that's a lot of stuff to talk about. But uh, <laughs> I mean, we we actually got started in a small manual garage and starting out with a three barrel system, and this is our fifth brewery that we've uh, moved into. So we kept getting bigger every time. And this was the uh, time we moved uh, about seven blocks away to a uh, 80,000 square foot facility that, you know, really was able to, we were able to this place to do a, a nice tap room that could, you know, you could see everything about the brewing process. You know, there's windows looking into the brew house, windows looking into the uh, bottling and canning. And you can even, uh, have have a beer underneath one of the big outdoor tanks outside in our little bit of a little beer garden we have there. Now that's a fantastic spot. You got good food, great beer, obviously, and and a good community spot. I mean that that. Uh, when did you open yards? And uh, you know how, so how did you originally get started in brewing way back when? Yeah, we opened in uh, 1994 uh, in a small place in in, in Manioc, a little little garage type facility, and we just did uh, did keg beer. You know, did it uh, just and delivered everything ourselves to start out, start out with. Started home brewing and making beer in my dorm, and next thing you know, I'm working for a small brewery, and now I'm, uh, you know, <laughs> run, run, running a brewery of my own, so it's great. And you move from kegs to packaging. Mark, that's where you step in, right? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, I've known Tom going back to when he first started. I worked as a bartender at a place that sold the first uh, cask of Yards ESA, and was a big fan ever since and um, happened to work out pretty ironically since we're on a baseball and beer show that I ultimately ended up getting the job at Yards. Uh, I was unemployed and had a ticket to game five of the World Series and was broke. I could have sold it, but instead went to the game (laughs) between the then Yards uh, production uh, head of production and one of the sales guys. And uh, within a month of them winning that night and me uh, uh, riding their coattails around the city because I had no money and they were buying <laughs> yards and all the bars everywhere we went, 
about two months later, I ended up with a, with a job mixing varieties in the packaging area and, uh, you know, hasn't looked back since. And it's been a, it's been a great ride, a great experience. And, uh, just love working at yards. Hey, by the way, guys, congratulations. Jorge Alfaro just hit a, a single, so the no-hitter is no more. Right. This is the start. <laughs> Comeback nice. time. Which which World <laughs> Series were you at, Mark, that uh, this story took place? Which year was that? 2008, the uh, the night they won. It was actually the game part two of that game after the rain delay. We'd come back for a two-and-a-half-inning game, three-and-a-half-inning game. Oh, yeah. Well, you guys got to be uh, extremely excited by what the Phillies have done so far this year, and in particular because it's such a great young team and uh, that great young uh, outfield. Uh, you guys got to be stoked, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, these guys are playing great. Herrera and Williams and Altair, who's at the plate right now, as a matter of fact. And, and they're a little, bit, a little ahead of schedule, so we weren't really expecting it, you know. And uh, so it's a real fun ride so far this year, and hopefully they can keep it up and hang in there. Yeah, it's a real pleasant surprise. So are you guys looking forward to Mike Trout coming back to Philadelphia someday? <laughs> From your lips to God's ears. <laughs> Be because a Seattle Mariner fan, I'm hoping that happens sooner rather than later. <laughs> Get him out of the American <laughs> League, right. exactly. Yeah. Get him out of the AL West. Yeah, he grew up in Jersey, didn't he? He's not too far away from Philadelphia, right? He's kinda... He sure did. He's still an Eagle season ticket holder, as a matter of fact. Oh, well, I'm a Viking fan, so we won't talk about that <laughs> game either. <laughs> but we'd be happy to see Mike Trout in Philadelphia. We yes, would. In, the, in, the, in the National League, and Philly would be a great place for him to be. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> did you guys grow up in Philadelphia, around that area, or uh, what? how did you become Philly fans? Uh, I did. I was born and raised my whole life born in the city and still live there today in South Philly. I just grew up uh, about five miles outside the city in uh, Haddonfield, New Jersey. Okay. Oh, wonderful. We had actually the Craft Brew Conference back there a couple of years ago, and uh, that was my first chance to go to Philadelphia. You guys have an amazing city back there. I, I just love that downtown area. It's got a lot of character. Yep, it's an old city. It's a really, it's a city of neighborhoods. And we all take pride in, like, the little sections of town that we're from. And, you know, it's a great place to, you know, just talk to people in a bar. Absolutely. And we really – really fun things about the town. And a fantastic beer scene as well. Yeah. I mean, not too many cities you can go where you walk into the most random corner bar and a fantastic selection of craft beer, Belgian beers, all kinds of uh, uh, things you wouldn't expect to find. Yep. There, there's a cool shop. I think it's called Monks. Is that right? That's uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, there, like you say, some really great spots for beer there. How, how widely distributed is yards? Are you, is, uh, is, is Pennsylvania a relatively easy or a complicated place for you guys to distribute your beer? Pennsylvania is great for distributing beer. In fact, it, you know, probably really helped us grow in the beginning because of the way the beer laws were. In Pennsylvania, things are changing a lot right now because we're trying to modernize. But it was all like the beer distributor system, and they had plenty of room on the floor for cases of beer, which was great. So as to the beginning of that question, we're actually in four states. We're in all of Pennsylvania, all of New Jersey, all of Delaware, and most of Maryland. So, Very cool. <laughs> How, what, what percentage are you right in uh, municipal Philadelphia relative to the rest of the, uh, the region? Of, of your sales, Philly and the surrounding area is probably about seventy percent of what we do. Uh, so if you take a fifty-mile radius around Philadelphia, that's about seventy percent of our of our sales. And have you thought about trying to get into Manhattan, or the, uh, too painful? Well, now that we have a little bit of excess capacity, 
we're uh, we're definitely going to look at uh, some of the some new markets. But actually, this year we're uh, introducing cans now that we have the space in our new facility. So we're learning going to learn how to sell cans and get cans to market. And then when we actually go into a new market, we'll know a little bit better on how to sell things. Well, we're really enjoying your your Philly Pale Ale here. What is it? This is your flagship, I'm assuming, or or no? Yes, it is. Yep. Yeah. And is is that your best seller, or do you see some new trends going on? Are are you, know, you guys have some uh, some guys that are doing some pretty crazy things too with hazy IP, IPA there, right? Yeah. So we um, Philly Pale Ale is probably about thirty five percent of what we do, and then we have Brawler, which is an English mild. Nice session beer and our signature IPA, which is uh, um, just your, you know, a real, you know, straight up IPA. It's really great. And they, those three beers are about 70% of our, of our total product. And that's, that's what people are coming in to drink too at the brew pubs, I imagine, right? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> what, what percentage of your total sales are through the brew pubs as opposed to uh, going out in keg or bottle or can form? I'm not sure the actual numbers of the brew pub as far as as it relates to total sales because that's almost kept separate. But uh, I'd say about two percent, if if that. Okay. And and how how did uh, you get the name Yards, Tom? What did uh, what was it that uh, that's how did that name develop? Started working at the uh, at a British Brewing Company in uh, in Maryland, and we were doing English sales back there, and the. Funny thing was, we knew that's what we wanted to do was an English style ale because that's what we love to drink. So we ended up coming up with an uh, easy saying name that was kind of British. We thought of thought of yards really because of Scotland Yard. Oh sure. And that took us about four years to finally get into business. And everybody's just asking us, well, how's yards doing? And it just turned into yards. So. So I had nothing to do with the baseball term going yard. I was thinking when I heard the the term, I thought, okay, home run. This beer is a home run. <laughs> Absolutely. And had you spent time in the, in the UK, Tom? Is that where you fell in love with uh, the British style beers? Um, I I have, but not before the brewery. It was actually just uh, the imports and uh, the different kind of uh, you know flavors you would get from uh, you know a nice malty, easy drinking beer. So were you a, like a, a fan of Michael Jackson and some of his writings on beers as well? Absolutely. I think I've definitely read every one of his books. And uh, I've also, uh, you know, probably tried uh, every beer, beer I could get my hand on that was uh, coming from uh, the UK. Do you have uh, do you have some favorite uh, uh, British breweries that uh, you'd like to mention? Oh, uh, Theakston's Old Peculiar is probably one of my favorite beers and one that definitely inspired me, as well as uh, Fuller's uh special yeah oh, yeah yep. pride of london yeah absolutely yep. yeah london pride yeah yep. very good well tell us a little bit more about your uh, love for the phillies uh, do you have some favorite players on this new team well it's you know it's hard not to love odubel herrera watching him play he's oh, yeah. just uh, just so full of energy and, and he's so exciting to watch um you know hoskins has been, been a lot of fun um, but I mean, if, my, if you want to talk about my favorite Phillies teams of all time, we'd probably have to go back to 1993 and a team that lost the World Series. And uh, just fortunate enough, last week actually was here and uh, got to meet Larry Anderson uh, when they had the had the the 1993 um, throwback day here at the stadium, a celebration for the 25th anniversary. But that was a team that really uh, that really solidified my love for the for the game. 
Awesome. He said. What? He used to come down, and there's a, a, a artificial man-made lakes right across the street from where the old veteran stadium was. And we used to sit over there and drink beer in a parking lot and listen to the game on the radio. And if it was close, we'd walk in, and the gates yep. would be open into the fifth, free game, and go on in. And I nice. probably went to 70 games that year. Uh, great story. You guys, uh, what do you guys think of Gabe Kapler, your new manager? Well, I mean, well, he's awful fancy for the Phillies. <laughs> A little unconventional, too, I think. He is a bit un unconventional, but all I can say is they're winning and the players seem to like him, so I will certainly reserve judgment and give him a chance. There you go. You got a Gabe Kapler story, right, I, Steve? I do have a Gabe Kapler story. I just happened, I was on a business trip back in uh, July of 2009 and met a couple of friends of mine back in Chicago, and it was kind of a baseball trip. We wanted to go to a game in Wrigley and one in U.S. Cellular. And the game we went to the White Sox on the south side, uh, Mark Burley actually had a perfect game going through eight innings. And Tampa Bay had this, uh, I think he was playing in the outfield at the time, Gabe Kapler came to the plate, put a charge in a ball, and everyone thought, there goes a the perfect game. This thing is out of here. And uh, Ozzie Guillen, who was managing the uh, White Sox at a time, made a defensive replacement and put in Dwayne Wise. And he went up and he caught that ball that was hit by Kapler, flipped it back in, caught it for the uh, 20, what would that be, the 25th, 26th out of the game. And uh, they ended up, uh, Mark Burley pitched the 18th perfect game in Major League history. But uh, I remember Gabe Kapler back then and uh, the fact that he almost broke up that, uh, that perfect game. No, how about that? Yep. 93 Phillies. That was uh, like John Cruck and uh, Lenny Dykstra and Kurt yeah. Schilling and then the wild oh, thing, yeah. right? Mitch Williams wasn't Tug, he? Tug McGraw was probably in the bullpen oh, back then. Yeah, Mitch no, Williams, Tug, I remember. Tug, yeah. Tug McGraw's uh, doing newscasts. In oh, he, he was gone by that time. Okay. Yeah, a lot of personality on that team. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like Larry Anderson, Roger Mason setting up Mitch Williams. Uh, oh, okay. Bobby would have been another bullpen guy on that team. Oh, Mitch yeah. Williams, yeah. Eisenreich, Darren Dalton. Yeah, Eisenreich, former twin. Yeah, that's right. But yeah, it was. I remember Kruk and uh, Dykstra. Dykstra yeah. crashing into the walls out there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It obviously took its effect based on some <laughs> of the stuff that he's been uh, throwing out there here recently. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, you guys have had some great teams over the last uh, twenty years. But I mean, even thirty years. You go back to. Steve Carlton, I mean, gosh, that, those couple lefty. of years he had in 72, 73 when he yep. won half oh, of yeah. all of Philadelphia's wins, I think, that year or two. Mike Schmidt back Mike then Schmidt. in yep. the day. Yep. Yep. So a couple that, years later, they brought back the big red machine here and, like, the big old machine. And oh, Petey. Lost yeah, Pete Rose <laughs> ended up there, right? That's right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, he was on the 80 team, but by 83, they brought back Tony Perez. Oh, yeah. Uh, 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 Joe Morgan and somebody else. There was another red on that team. I can't think of who it is right now, but there was another red as well. The, the big and red that. machine redo. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. it's it's a lot of fun to see the Phillies. I mean, this year, you know, the National League is the interesting one. The American League is basically over at this point, Steve. I mean, you got pretty well the playoff situation is almost already set. I, I don't want to jinx the Mariners by saying that uh, they're in because they're – I think they're six games ahead of the Angels for the wild card, but uh, 
Yeah, if they, if they play well the rest of the season, they should have that one-game playoff. But uh, <laughs> In New York it, or Boston. <laughs> that's right. So, uh, But, hey, good news for you guys. Guess what? Uh, Blake Snell with the Tampa Bay Rays, or he's got a no-hitter going in the sixth inning against the Nationals. So, oh, wow. uh, no kidding. I saw they were up 6 nothing. Yeah, they're up 10 nothing now, and Snell still oh, wow. has a – has a no-hitter going, so that bodes well for the Phillies. Yeah, good stuff. Being in Philadelphia, you guys must be really heartbroken over the demise of the New York Mets as well, huh? <laughs> <laughs> all, all things New York. <laughs> oh, man. Those are good rivalries. I mean, Philadelphia, New York is as good as Boston and New York in the National League, and, uh, yeah, it's fun to see the Phillies doing well. Yep. Yeah, it's fun. Have you guys been out to Yakima? I should know this, but I don't. Have you guys been out to Yakima during harvest and hop harvest and selection and all of that, Tom? Uh, we personally haven't been up, but uh, we de- we definitely send brewers up for the, for the hop selection. Yeah. And I know we're sending uh, Tim and uh, Mitch out there this year. Yeah, I met Tim as well uh, back uh, when I saw your brew pub in, in December. And uh, good guys. I mean, you got a really good team there. Really, really love the way the culture has uh, developed at Yards. And, you know, it's amazing and how I, everybody really looks after each other and really, you know, puts in that extra effort. It's a uh, it, it's, it's really fun business to be in. It's a good, it is a really good uh, community to be part of. Uh, are you selling Yards at, uh, for, for the Philly games? Yeah, both in kegs and cans. How many awesome. tap handles do you have at the stadium? Uh, eight right now. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. No, it must be a good yeah. Fun for people to get uh, get that at the stadium as well, huh? It was funny when they uh, in two thousand four when the uh, stadium uh, first came out, they actually started giving uh, some local brewers a, a chance to sell beer here, and I think it's really made the stadium uh, a little bit more uh, user friendly, so to say. So it's really been neat. Do you guys have some unusual foods at the stadium in the same way the uh, the Mariners have their <laughs> crickets? Anything that exotic, or is that? Uh, Way too flashy for Philadelphia. Well, we have some interesting Philly traditions, like our cheesesteaks and uh, some derivatives of that, like the Schmitter. And uh, I guess we, we, we've got a little bit of uh, Greg Luzinski. They call it the Bulls Barbecue. Ah, so. Greg there Luzinski. Go. There's a good old name. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Pre-Ryan Howard. Uh, yeah, Greg Luzinski. <laughs> yeah. He could hit the cover off the ball. What's a Schmitter? Sorry, I don't know that one. <laughs> So it, it's it's not actually Mike Schmidt as most people would assume. It uh, I think it was a, a name that there's a cook from the bar in the Chestnut Hill section of the city where the bar was at the bar named Galley's, and they basically took a cheesesteak, added fried salami and Thousand Island dressing, and what else? Onions and on, well, yeah, onions. Yeah. Yeah. And tomato. And Put tomato. Right on there. Yeah. Based based on the name, I'm not sure we want to know what else. <laughs> <laughs> and the crazy thing is, it didn't go on the long roll. It went on a Kaiser roll. Yeah. Of course. Oh, that sounds like heart attack on a bun. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's good. It'll feel good. It'll feel good on your way to the hospital. Though. That's right. That's I, right. I can almost feel that. my my heart rate slowing down <laughs> trying to digest it without even eating one. <laughs> well, we've. Uh, We've had a great uh, relationship with you guys over the years. We really appreciate um, the, in, the interaction we've had as you've grown your brewery and uh, with Tim and all of you guys, Tom. Uh, 
You know, is there anything that, uh, as, you, as you think about um, the beer industry and your own specific situation and you think about the hops, is there anything that uh, you wish uh, Yakima Chief would do differently in any way from your perspective? Um, gosh, I hadn't even thought about that. Uh, I think, that, you know, that really open dialogue and communicating of what's happening uh, is the best part of uh, doing business with people. Just because, you know, it's like, hey, you know, we're, we're noticing we're going to be, you know, a little overstocking this or we're, we're using this a lot quicker. And, you know, having that open dialogue lets you guys prepare on your end. Hey, if we can get these guys some more, say, one of our uh, hops we use in you guys, some more Simcoe, we'll do that. Or if we have like a little bit too much Chinook, then we might be like, okay, you know, let's, uh, let's see if we can, you know trade that for something that we're going to have fun with and maybe experiment with. So I think that's uh, really great about, you know, how we're able to just, you know, talk about these things and, you know, move on with it. So That's good to know. That's really part of our job as a grower owned merchant to get that right. Uh, in the context of the fact that hops are an agricultural crop and, uh, you know, we've already kind of set our, uh, for the most part, our 2018 volumes, uh, but uh, keeping that dialogue open and uh, understanding uh, what you guys need to make great beer uh, is vitally important to our business as well as yours. And we were, yeah, and especially with a, especially with us moving to a new place, you know, it's like we're not sure if we're going to be, you know, just matching what we did the year before or actually growing a little bit bigger percentage because sure. having cans and things like that could could really bump us a bigger percentage than we would normally have in, in a regular growth year yep yeah we appreciate that dialogue as well as we're doing our planning uh, you know what our growers are going to be trying to grow this year or next year you know the, the nice thing is we have a, a, a enough growers we're working with we have a number of different varieties we can try to mix and match because maybe what you need is uh, what some other gr brewer has a little bit of surplus and vice versa so we try to really mix and match that to make sure we're uh, as accommodative as we can be uh, while still trying to make sure we're taking care of the growers and, and their requirements as well. Well, look, guys, we, we really appreciate your time taking time to see us and talk to us today. Uh, we're going to let you get back to your game, and then I'm going to ask Steve a little bit more about what's going on in the hop world. But uh, Tom and Mark, thank you so much for taking time out of the uh, – Philly Yankee game to uh, spend time with us on our podcast. We really look forward to seeing you again, either in Philadelphia or out here in Yakima. A absolutely. Mark, Mark and Tom, we're wishing you nothing but good hops, and that can be used for making beer or for baseball. And uh, more importantly, go get at least three runs to get these Yankees and, and send them home a loser. That's right. You know, we, we're going to leave here, step, step into the seventh inning stretch. And uh, tear, tear it up for you guys. All right. Thanks, Enjoy guys. the rest of the game. Steve, Mike, thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Well, Steve, uh, you know, we've heard uh, last week and again a little bit today that uh, maybe the Centennials are not doing quite so good, huh? Well, we've been out and about, Pete and I, looking at hops. We were down in Idaho last weekend, and we're out a little bit in the Moxie area this past week looking at hops. And, uh, yeah, there's a little bit of split bloom going on in Centennial. Um, it's not the best uh, situation when you go out this time of the year and see that uh, terminal bloom on that vine turning into a, a, a bloom instead of that, you know, fast-growing vine. 
So uh, we're, we're going to keep an eye on it. A little bit of concern on Centennial. There's a little bit of early bloom down in uh, uh, Idaho on both Simcoe and Amarillo. Uh, it's still early. Uh, they still have a chance to kind of grow through it, uh, grow through it. But uh, uh, we're going to keep an eye on it. Um, and uh, it's, you know, it's a time of the year that, that a lot of growers really get nervous about what's going on. Uh, they're, they're starting to turn from training season into pest control season. Uh, pest control uh, seems to be going well, uh, but uh, it's something we need to keep an eye on. And uh, at this point, you know, we're going to be really out and about uh, next week. Uh, we're going to be putting together our first internal crop uh, estimate report and uh, it looks like if, if I had to guess uh, right today I would say it would be a good average crop. Um, we're looking forward to the acreage report coming out uh, here in the next day or two and certainly our listeners will uh, get that information as soon as we get it uh, but that should come out uh, sometime later on this week. Uh, explain what a terminal bloom is. Uh, I, yeah, so you got that nice uh, meristematic tissue on the end of that vine that's kind of making its way up to the top of the trellis, and you don't want that uh, that good, fast-growing uh, meristem tissue on the end of the vine to turn into a bloom, because basically what happens at that point is the vine stops growing. If it doesn't make it to the top of the trellis, uh, you've got some adverse uh, yield potential there because uh, side arms will start developing uh, before that vine makes it to the top and uh, typically you'll get a lower yield than uh, you would have potentially. What would cause it to bloom a little bit early to, to prematurely uh, reach its uh, maturity? Yeah, variety is a factor. Uh, some uh, varieties are more prone to uh, early bloom than others. And then uh, just uh, training dates uh, will contribute to that. Uh, typically, if a grower's got uh, his training done maybe a little bit earlier, a little bit later than the ideal date, uh, you might have uh, that type of activity as well. And then the third factor really is uh, weather conditions. So this year a little bit, a little bit warm, and then some of the training challenges were those the factors? Yeah, we basically had uh, at least in the Acoma Valley we had our uh, June weather in May, and then our our May weather in June. We kind of had a flip flop, hmm. and uh, so we had a lot of uh, warm weather um, early and a little cooler weather. Things have turned around a little bit. Uh, we're seeing a lot better weather now for uh, photosynthetic uh, development in the plant. And uh, we may just be fine at the end of the day. But uh, at this point, we're watching it closely. And uh, we'll let our listeners know where we're at as we go. So in baseball terms, we're maybe a couple of games below 500, but nothing to worry too much about yet? Or is we it... We are. We're not quite to the all-star break. That's and, right. And uh, so there's still potential to catch up ground. At this point, we're just a tad bit behind. Okay. Well, back to baseball. Uh, Mariners are just really doing well, except for against the National, <coughs> the American League East, huh? Yeah. They played in a couple ball ballparks that I think were designed for baseball 100 years ago. <laughs> that, that Fenway Park. I mean, I love – there's so much uh, – um, history and uh, tradition with that ballpark but for crying out loud that green monster now granted both teams play in the same ballpark yep. I can't make excuses but uh, 
Uh, we're excited now because the Mariners are in uh, Baltimore and uh, we're at the top of the eighth and Mariners have a two-run lead. So hopefully uh, that will bode well for uh, getting back in the win column. Do you think the Mariners are going to make any moves before the trade deadline this year? Well, when you have a general manager by the name of DePoto, you can pretty <laughs> much uh, anticipate there will be some, uh, some moves made here in the near future. You just don't know what, what they'll be. Well, the Twins picked up, uh, what's his name, Motter. Taylor Motter. Taylor Motter. Yes. I think he might be like one for 30 or something so far, but he's got the hair. He, he does. Uh, he was the guy that did the original hair flip in spring training two years ago. <laughs> and my wife and I actually got to uh, witness that. And, uh, of course, I'm watching this being the traditional baseball fan saying, oh, for crying out loud. Diana looked at me and she says, you're just jealous because you can't do that hair flip. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got we got Motter, but we also got uh, the Fernando Rodney, who's been really actually about one of the few bright spots for the Twins this year. So y yes, and that's good to know. Uh, we we call it in Seattle our, the Fernando Rodney experience, and uh, you never know what you're going to get. And you've also got uh, Logan Morrison there at first base. He's oh, he's, he's actually really struggled though. He has, but he had he had a dinger the other night. Yep. Uh, I was actually watching a little bit of the Twins game, and you can't and, hit uh, a buck ninety and hit. 20 home runs. That's, That's true. not going to cut it. That's true. Well, it'll be interesting to see if the Twins do anything before trade deadline because they're too far below 500 at the moment. If they don't reel off a 10-game 10, 10 winning streak pretty soon, they might decide to be sellers. Yeah, well, Maybe you'll get Rodney back. You never know. So. Actually, we'll take Eddie Rosario. How about yeah, no that? No, thanks. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's having a good year. All right, Steve. Well, another good week, and uh, let's see what happens out in the hop world and the baseball world next week. Yep, looking forward to next week.